Moses was out doing his job. He was doing his work. He was taking care of the flock of, of, the, of his father-in-law, Jethro. He was taking care of all of the sheep. He was taking care of his duties, his responsibilities. He was doing his thing. And then he saw up on the Mount of God, he saw up on Sinai a, 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 a bush that a, appeared to be burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And so he, he went up to see this marvelous sight, this, this thing that he just could not quite comprehend, that he couldn't get his, his brain around. So he went up to see this bush that was burning, and God said to him through the bush, Take off your shoes. For the ground on which you are standing is holy. And so Moses kicked off his sandals. And then he had a conversation with God. Now, I don't know about you. I would have been terrified just to hear a voice coming out of a burning bush. I would have been terrified at the thought that I was speaking to the almighty creator of the universe. The mysterious one. The God of our fathers of Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob, the father of our, our, our mothers, Sarah and Rebecca, the God of our ancestors. I'm speaking to the creator of the universe. Of course I'm on holy ground. And he has this conversation with God, and God tells him, I'm going to send you back to Egypt I'm going to send you to set my people free. I've heard their complaining and their moaning and their groaning at the hands of the taskmasters in Egypt. And I'm going to deliver them from their taskmasters. And Moses goes through this parallation of saying, Oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I stutter. Choose somebody else. I, there's no way they're going to listen to me. The Pharaoh won't listen to me. The people won't listen to me. Just send somebody else. Don't choose me. I don't want to do this, God. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And eventually he asks, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? After all, God, we don't know your name. You've been the God of our ancestors. You've been God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. The God of Sarah. The God of Rachel. The God of Rebekah. You've been the God of our ancestors. But we don't know your name. You're mysterious, unknown and unknowable. We only know you from what you've called us to do. That you called us out of the earth, Chaldees. That you called us to the land, the promised land. You gave the land to Abraham. You, you, you continued it to Isaac. You continued it to Jacob. And now we're imprisoned as slaves in Egypt. We don't know your name. You've left us there for four centuries. We don't know your name. So if the Israelites ask me, what's the name of the one who sent you to deliver us? What's his name? What's the name of this God, this God of Abraham, this God of Isaac, and this God of Jacob? What am I going to tell them? It's a reasonable question. It's a good question. It's a question that I'd have too. 
God replies, I am who I am. That one's always bothered me. When I was a kid, I thought that meant he was Popeye. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. <laughs> Not quite, but that's, that's, you know, when I'm a kid, that's what you think of. I am that I am, as the King Jimmy renders it. I am that I am. I am who I am. I am what I am. All of those are possibilities here. He said further, God's not done. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, still not done. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, and again, I am. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. I am is God's name. Huh? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I am is the to-be verb, isn't it? The one who be, I am, that's your name, you're a verb? Uh-huh. God's a verb. I'd rather God be a noun, maybe a pronoun, or an adjective. How about a conjunction? Remember the schoolhouse rock, if, you were, if you're my age, 1970s schoolhouse rock, conjunction, junction, what's your function song? Man, I love that stuff. I'd rather God be a conjunction. Sometimes it feels like God is a great big or or a great big but, according to some churches. Yeah, that's supposed to be funny, by the way. <laughs> but a verb, I am, and it's the to-be verb. I am. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's a play on the sounds of the words in Hebrew. God's name is Yahweh in Hebrew. I know we sung our first hymn, Jehovah is the name we used. And there's an ancestry or a history for the, for the formation of the name Jehovah. The Germans, we, the Germans are responsible for that. It's a big mistake. We'll talk about that at some other time. His name is Yahweh, God's name. The creator of the universe's name, his personal name is Yahweh, which in Hebrew means I am. But what does that really mean? I mean, to say that it's the to-be verb is one thing, but what does that actually mean? I like word pictures. And here's an image to understand the meaning of God's name, to understand the meaning of the I am. Take a hose, screw it into a faucet, turn the faucet on, let the water pressure build up, go out to about midway to the end of that hose, pick up the hose, and pinch it off. The feel of the pressure, the water pressure surging against your fist as you've pinched off that hose, the surge of that water pressure behind your fist trying to get through, trying to get out, trying to burst out, that desire, that need, that force, that energy trying to burst out through your fist as you've pinched off that water hose, that is the essence of I am, of Yahweh, of the to-be verb in Hebrew. 
The idea is, I will not be contained, I will not be controlled, I will not be governed, I will not be limited, I will not be restricted, I will come forth and you will know me. I will burst forth with much energy and you will know me and you will see me and you will hear me and you will receive me. I will be known. I am the one who is and who cannot not be. Ooh, Ooh that, that hurt my brain a little bit. The one who is and who cannot not be. He is the God who is and whose existence by its very nature is part of His being. And He is the one who will be known, who will be experienced, and who will be received. He is the one who has created everything and is present with us and whom you cannot deny. Just take a look at the skies at night. I went out this past week, first time since I've moved out here, and I set up my telescopes. I set up my refractor, my five-inch refractor, and I started looking at the sky. When you're in the city in Irving, in the middle of the Metroplex, you can see the moon, you can see Mars and Jupiter and Saturn, you know, the big planets and the close planets. But you can't see the Milky Way. You can see maybe one or two stars at random, and that's about it. But out here, you can see the glory of God's handiwork. You can see the beauty of God's creation. You can see the constellations, so you can search for galaxies and nebula. And I spent four hours outdoors searching the sky, going from galaxy to galaxy and nebula to nebula, the Dumbbell Nebula, the Orion Nebula, the Horsehead Nebula, Andromeda Galaxy, which you can almost see with the naked eye. I was amazed. I spent a long time just looking at the sky in wonder at God's glorious handiwork. The fingerprint of God visible in the night sky. That's Yahweh. The one who created that and will be known by virtue of that glorious majesty. The one who cannot be contained, controlled, governed, restricted, suppressed, silenced. The one who is known. Who is, has been, and will be forever known. That's God's name. Now, names have great power. In most ancient languages, this is also true for Hebrew. Names have great power. If you know the name of something, you have control over it. But God's very name, by its very virtue and its very nature, defies control. But to make sure that the name couldn't be misused, in the Ten Commandments, you have, Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the Hebrew people understood it in such a way that they refused to even say the word, to even say the name Yahweh. Instead, whenever they saw Yahweh written in the Hebrew Scripture, they would pronounce instead the Hebrew word, name, title, Adonai, which means Lord. That's why in your Bibles, 
you'll see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Every time Yahweh is in the Hebrew text, you'll see that in the English translation. Translating Adonai. Out of respect for the holiness of the name. They didn't say it. In fact, only one person could say it at one point in the year, in one place in the Holy of Holies, as making restitution for the sins of the people with the blood of the Lamb being sprinkled on the Holy of Holies, in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, across the Ark of the Covenant, the high priest could say the name under his breath, Yahweh. Otherwise, you didn't say it. Out of respect and awesome fear for the majesty of the one who created it all. Yahweh. Now, there's one more point. That name means the one who will be known, the one who is known, the one who cannot be suppressed, who cannot be contained, who cannot be restricted, cannot be limited, and it is also the name of our Savior, of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the English version, the anglicized version of the Greek name, Jesus and that is a Greekification of the Hebrew name, Yeshua. Now, we have that name in English too. It's called Joshua. Uh-huh. But Jesus' real Hebrew name is Yeshua. And Yeshua is a contraction of two words. The name of God, Yahweh, and the verb saves. Yahweh saves. Yahweh delivers. Yeshua. Yahweh saves and Yahweh delivers. That is the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the meaning of the name. God, the creator of the universe. Yahweh, the one who cannot be restricted, the one who will be known, and the one who is known, saves and delivers us. And the Yahweh, the one who cannot be restricted, who cannot be suppressed, who is known and will be known, came and was known to us and made known to us in Jesus of Nazareth, this little baby who was born in Bethlehem of Judea and raised in Nazareth as a carpenter's son, who then walked the dusty streets of Palestine and taught us the love of God. The one whose name cannot be suppressed emptied himself into the form of a servant named Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves, so that we would know the one who is, so that we could experience and come to know and have a relationship with the one who is. The I am, Yahweh. As you come to the table of the Lord today, as you come to the sacrament of Holy Communion, I invite you to open yourself to the one who is. Open yourself to Yahweh, the creator of the universe. Open yourself to the one who is and who poured himself into a human form, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, our Savior. Come and be open to the grace that God offers us. Come and be open to 
the love that God offers us. Come and be open to the creator of the universe who is present with us and present within us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come and partake. Receive the Creator anew. Receive Jesus Christ. Yahweh saves. Yahweh delivers anew and afresh. And allow this glorious I Am to transform your life into greater and greater likenesses of Jesus Christ our Lord. Come and partake. Be filled by God's grace. And then turn and Go out those doors and be the love of God, the I Am's presence to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. I invite you to join me in the prayer in the order of worship. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May Almighty God have mercy on you and forgive you all your sins. Through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living, living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. As our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And when we give thanks over the cup, we know forgiveness of our sins and life eternal.
You have been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.